Amen. He is risen. Hallelujah. I want to thank everybody that joined us on Friday for the egg hunt. Everybody that did something to help. We had, I think, an amazing turnout. It was a great time, and it took a lot of us. It didn't just take a couple. It took a lot of us to do that, but thank you so much. And did you notice it did not rain? Huh? I believe you and I have power and authority over the wind and the clouds. And if you would be following Pastor Winona and I driving around Thursday afternoon, and you wouldn't hear us, but you'd probably see our mouths going like this and our hands waving like this. And like, I mean, just about every intersection we got to, people probably thought, those guys are crazy. What are, you know, are they upset with each other? They're waving their hands. But I believe we spoke to the weather. And I gave it to 3 o'clock, but it gave me till Saturday, too. So I got to enjoy yesterday as well. Hallelujah. I've been spending a lot of time meditating on Easter and, and Passover. Actually, Easter isn't a biblical term. If you, if you look at it, you find out Easter is actually not a biblical term. Passover is a term and Jesus fulfilled the Passover. And so, uh, Brother Howard, as you were sharing this morning, I, I had looked at the Passover, and I was contemplating speaking on that. And if you want to read an amazing passage, I believe it's Exodus 14, where God gives the children of Israel a picture of what the Passover was to look like, of killing a lamb for a house. I want to give you a few little thoughts uh, before I get into the sermon. But he said, a lamb for a house. And then they were to kill the lamb and sprinkle the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. And then the, the angel of the Lord would pass over that house. And that was the last thing they did before Pharaoh let the children go. So I want you to picture what the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus in your life. The children of Israel were free that night. So when the angel of the Lord passed through and he saw the blood of the Lamb, and in the Old Testament, when you study the Old Testament, you find out that the Old Testament is all about Christ. And what it does is it points to Christ. And then if you're in the New Testament, you see Christ revealed. And quite often what happens is in the New Testament, it brings the Old Testament to life. It explains or it expounds or it gives the, the description or a, a revelation of what was shown in the Old Testament. The Word is Jesus. It's Christ. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So we see in the, in the Old Testament the picture of Christ and what he did. And I'm here to tell you, when he shed his blood for you, he purchased your freedom. 
And if you think of the Passover lamb, when you accept Christ and you believe in him and you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you accept the work that he did, you are free. I'll say that again because I'd like to get a couple more amens. When you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, it says in Romans, Jesus Christ and the work that he did for you, the blood that he shed for you, you are free. The things that used to haunt you have no right to haunt you anymore. Jesus paid the price. And if you look at the picture in Exodus of the Passover, and you read that passage, actually you find out that that Passover was actually what they, Jesus or God said to them, God Father spoke to them and said, this will be your first month. You'll look at this and you will call this your first month. And so what he did was he said, the Passover instituted a new time in their life. A new time in the history of Israel. A new time in your life. When you accept Christ, you become a new creation. The old, it's, it's not a new and improved you. It's a completely new you. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to renovate that and, and it will just, but I'll still keep that because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good there. So I'll just keep that. And, you know, I, I know, no, it is a completely new. Don't hang on to what Christ has paid for and bought and died for. But if you look in Exodus and you see this amazing thing, and if you read that passage, it talks about the new things. And what happened was God delivered them in one moment. God delivered them in one moment. And he says, now we're going to go to the promised land. So I, I just want to share that, that Passover, the picture of that is amazing. And, and the lamb for the house, I was sharing with Pastor Winona. Every year, the family was to bring a lamb to be slain. And this is, if you look at the celebration of Passover and the cross and all the significance of that, they, they would bring... And, and people would gather in Jerusalem at the temple, and they actually, from what I understand, they had three different times or groups of lambs. So there were so many, so they had three different groups. And what would happen is a person would come, and it was, and they, they took a look at the family, and they said, listen, if you're a family of 10, you can do one lamb, and if, if you're less than 10, you might join another family because they didn't want the lamb, like they didn't want a, two or three people to have one lamb, it would go to waste. So they would group together. But what they would do is they would take a, a bracelet or a necklace and they'd put that around the lamb and they would put the name of the house or the name of the family on that lamb. Now think about this. Why they did that was because there were so many lambs, they wanted to be recognized and they wanted the priest to see, oh, that's for the Stunenberg family, or that's for this family, or that's for that family. I guess it's maybe not, Stunenberg wasn't Jewish, Jewish but maybe Stunenberger or something like that, or, or Weinberg, Stunenweinberg or something. But, so that the priest would see, and so the lamb had a name on it. Think about this. 
so that they would see that family is taken for and spoken for. What happened to Jesus when he was put on the cross? They put a name. And Jesus looked, and God the Father looked, and he says, that lamb, his, 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 his house is spoken, king of the Jews. He's for all the, those that will come and to believe on him. So it's just amazing, and there's other things. The, the, the words that he spoke, it is finished, was actually an exact same wording that they would use in the temple when they would offer the uh, lambs. So the, the significance and the depth of this time of year is amazing. And this time of the year is where we celebrate and recognize what Christ did for us. And I want to show you just from one passage of Scripture, it would be two chapters, but I just want us to turn to Ephesians, and I'd like to spend a bit of time this morning, and I want you, I want us to see that we are blessed. So look at somebody and say, I'm blessed. Look at them again and say, I'm blessed. And if they looked at you and they didn't really believe you, tell them again. If you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read a few passages out of Ephesians 1, and then I want to go into Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to see, if I was to title this sermon, I'd title it, Thank You, Jesus. What I want you to see in this passage is what we have through Christ or in Christ, what we have. And I think I, I, I wrote down about 12 different things just in that one passage. And I would encourage you, take notes. I'd encourage you, write these down because you can go home or highlight them in your Bible because the next time you flip the, to the page to that Bible verse and that page, you can see what Christ has done for you. I'm going to start in verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to read about 11 verses, and I want you to see and hear, and I'm just going to read through this. I'm, I'm not going to try to do a lot of commentary. I want to read through it, but I want you to hear, and I'll probably emphasize in him or in Christ or through Christ. And I want you to see just what we have there, and then we're going to leapfrog into the next chapter and see the, the amazing exchange and blessings that he has for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Uh, maybe I can't read it. I've got to take a moment. How many spiritual blessings have you been blessed with? All. Every. Think about that. Wanda, you were calling out for prayer. That's a spiritual blessing. You're healed in the name of Jesus. You look in the mirror and you say to yourself, Self, I am healed because of the spiritual blessing of Jesus in my life. You are healed. It doesn't matter to God how long you've been battling something. There's people in the Bible that are battling things for over 30 years. He healed them. 
in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. My goodness, we didn't do a whole lot in this portion. Do you see, man, I don't take any credit. It's in him, through him, by him, because of what he wanted. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Can you imagine his grace? He doesn't just do you a little bit. He lavishes it on you. He lavishes it on you. I think we need to learn how to live a life that is lavished. I grew up with eight brothers. We'd pray over the meal, and as soon as we finished praying, it was like all hands, you, you grab something, you eat it. And we took what we could because if we didn't grab it right away, we'd get the, the burnt end or this end or that end. And, and, and we grew up with sometimes the mentality, well, this is all you can have. And I understand that. I understand budgets and stuff like that. But sometimes what happens is that translates into our spiritual expectation of God. I'm here to tell you, he wants to lavish his grace on you. When I think of lavish, it's like more than you need. It's like, well, that would do. That would be enough. And he says, no, I'm going to give you some more. He lavishes. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You have it now, and you will have it in the future." You've paid for it now, and he has more for you as you grow. I think sometimes we think too linear. We think, well, I need to have an answer for this. It has to be A or B or C. And sometimes we place God in the thinking of, well, it's either yes or no. And sometimes I think it's God says, no, it's what you have, it's for you. And we we We'll put limits on God when we don't see that we're blessed and he lavishes it on us. Have you ever had something lavished on you? Lavished. We're blessed. Now I want to skip through to chapter 2. 
And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That describes where we used to be. That is not where you live now. That's not where you live now. You may have some of those moments, but that's not where you live. And then I love this next verse. He says, but God. But God. I, I love to see but God. Because there's a pretty poor description here, and it says, but God. And whenever there's a but, there's usually a contrast. There's usually a difference. He says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. You were dead. I was dead. And he made us alive together in Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Is that now or is that future? Do you know that's now? And it's future. But he says he seated us with him. He didn't say he will seat us. We're seated in heavenly places. You are seated in heavenly places right now. Think about that. I believe the kingdom of God is such an amazing kingdom and it is designed to affect us every single day of the week. The power of the kingdom of God is not something that just resides when we walk in the window, uh, the glass doors and come into this room. The power of God affects us and should affect us every place we go. The power of God, the kingdom rule, the kingdom laws, the kingdom principles, the kingdom life should affect and it should be evident in my life every single day of the week. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then he says, therefore, remember. And I want to draw your attention 
to remembering some things this morning. Pastor Nelson and I are having a conversation this week, and, and as we were talking, there was a question one of us posed, and, and there's another person in the conversation, and, and Pastor Nelson says, well, what I know is I remember what God has done for me. He says, and when I remember what he's done for me, it affects how I do things for others. And Paul here is writing, and he says, he says, guys, I want you to remember. So the sermon title is called, Thank You, Jesus, but I want you to remember what he's done for you. So this morning, I want to bring a call to remembrance so that we, because when you understand and we understand the, what he has done for us, it affects how we do things for others. So I want to show you some things, and I want you to remember these things, and that's why I asked you to take some notes, because I want you to remember what Christ has done for you. And it's, I find this amazing because at the end of the sermon, there's actually a verse that connects this with members one of another and body life. And I found that interesting and amazing. So I want you to see what Christ has done for you. Therefore, remember, at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. He says, one time, you guys, the circumcision looked at you and said, you're not good enough. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Highlight that word, separated. I'm going to give you a bunch of words here. You were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. That's where we started. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. Wow. We were separated. We were alienated. We were strangers from, to the covenants of promise. We have no hope. Having no hope. This is where we came from. I had no hope. I had no hope. I was separated from Christ. I was alienated. I was looked at by the circumcision, and I was called uncircumcised. And that's referring to the work of the flesh or the fact that there was nothing. I, I, was not, I did not qualify. Alienated. And then we get to verse 13. But now in Christ. Now in Christ. And we can say this because of what Christ has done for us. Look at somebody and say, but now in Christ. Because this is what I want you to remember. Because of what Christ has done. Now in Christ, you who once were afar off have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. You used to be afar, but now you've been brought near. For he himself is our peace. He's made us both one 
and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. This is what Christ has done for us. He broke down the wall of hostility in the flesh between circumcision and uncircumcision. And he said, the two are now one. Remember what Christ has done for you. By abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God. You've now been reconciled to God. In one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off. I'm here to tell you, you've received peace. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You are not a stranger. You're not an alien. But you are now a citizen and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being brought together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I want you to see things here. You were dead in trespass and sin. If you made a list... You can say, my condition, Christ's condition. My condition was, I was dead in trespass and sin. Have you ever seen a dead man, other than Christ, come alive by himself? Usually, we refer to things, the motor's dead. It means that... It's got no hope, not even a mechanic. It's dead. Forget it. We were uncircumcised. We were unaccepted. We did not meet the standard. This was, if, if you could have a list, you could, we're dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. All of us. And Paul is saying, I want you to remember this. And this morning, I want you to remember this for a few reasons. First of all, so that you can thank Jesus. First of all, you can thank Jesus for what he did. And secondly, as members one of another, that we can look at how we respond to others. Because if we remember what Christ has done for us, it will affect what we do for others. Dead in trespasses and sin, unaccept, uncircumcised. We were separated, alienated, strangers. We had no hope and we were without God. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things right there. 
that is in the list of David. I was separated. I was uncircumcised. I didn't meet the standards. I was apart from him. I was a stranger. Have you ever met somebody with no hope? Do you know you give them hope? You can give somebody hope. Why can you give somebody hope? Because you used to have no hope, but now you have hope. And because I have hope, I can remember when I had no hope, and I can share with them the hope that I now have. I want you to see now, but now in Christ... And there's about 12 of them. We've been made alive. Thank you. We've been made alive. I've been made alive. I have a life. I don't need to get a life. I've got a life. I need to start to live my life. You've been made alive. I love sports, and I use it often in my sermons. And baseball just started their new season, and they play 162 games. Like, that's a lot of games. That's literally almost one a day. They play in this, a period of seven days, they'll play five games. Or it's, it's just crazy. And they started the first game, just dropped in the last couple days. Season started. And I watched the team that won the game, and they did what they call a walk-off. In other words, if you're down and you're the last team to bat, and if you're losing, the, you know, obviously the other team wants to get you to get your three, three outs. But if for some reason you're able to get the runs in, the game's just automatically over because you've got more runs. And here it is, game one. The guy gets a walk-off, and he, and he wins the game, and it's what they call a walk-off single. In other words, he hits a single, and he can just walk off the field after that because he made the base, and they won the game. And I'm thinking, 162 games. Not really a whole lot on the line in game one. Like it's, game one isn't really going to make or break everything. If you lose game one, you can still make it up in game two all the way through to game 162. But here they are, game one, the guy hits a single, he hits first base, the game is over, the guy crossed from third, got home, it's called a walk-off. His teammates were jumping up and down, excited. I'm looking at it going, man, I would have just stood there and said, good job, guy. Do that in September. But no, he was like, they were excited. We have been made alive. I'll say that again. We've been made alive. Canadians, we've been made alive. 
put your conservatism to the side, and we have been made alive. And it's not something you did. It's not something you accomplished. It's someone who did it for you. And he paid the price, and he bled on the cross, and he took our sin, and it was nailed on the cross, and it was paid once and for all. And because of his death, you've been made alive. I'm no longer dead in my trespasses and sin. It's amazing the exchange that he did. He says, I'll give you my life for yours. He says, I'll die so you can live. You and I have been made alive. Who here is alive this morning? You've been made alive in Christ. Now I've got, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit these one at a time because I believe we need to take time and say, thank you, Jesus. Because of what you've done, I've been made alive. I used to be a dead walking man. And now I'm alive walking in Christ. I used to have no future. I used to have no breath. I used to be dead in my trespasses and sin with no solution. And you came and you gave me the solution and you are the solution. Thank you, Jesus. And in this passage, there's about 12 of these instances where we see what Christ did for us. He didn't just do one thing. When he says... When he said it was finished, he left nothing undone. Peace. He paid for it. Freedom. He paid for. Your mourning. He paid for. What you think are ashes. He paid for. What you consider nothing. He paid for. What you could have no hope in doing, he says, I'll pay for. And in one act, Christ, once and for all, paid the price for you and me. Once. In the Old Testament, they had to bring a lamb every year. Not only that, but during the year, they also brought offerings for sin offerings, trespass offerings, and other offerings. They were constantly reminded of their guilt. A constant reminder, day after day, year after year, that they could not do it. And then Christ came and he says, that I've now fulfilled and now I fulfill it once and you do not have to live looking at the past anymore or your inefficiencies. You can look at me being all sufficient, doing everything, meeting the sacrifice, the requirements of holiness and meeting that and now you can be made alive. Once and for all. We're brought near. Not one of us has an excuse to say, I'm far away from God because Christ brought you near. 
Each one of you is as close to God as the breath that you breathe. Seriously. Because when he came and he created Adam, it says he breathed into him and he became a living soul. The breath that you have is evidence of the Holy Spirit living in you, around you, and for you. You used to be far away. Now you're near. In Hebrews it says, come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need. We have grown up beating ourselves up, making excuses for not measuring up. And God says, no, even in that condition, come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm here to tell you, you are not far away from God, but you are near. You've been brought near. This is what God did for you. This is what you, when you remember what Christ did for you, you can now share this with someone else and say, no, when you come to Christ, you are now close to him. That's why I told you, write these down because you may be sharing this with somebody who's saying, I have no hope. You say, no, we have hope. You, he might say, well, God doesn't hear me. You say, no, he does, because Jesus shed his blood, and because of what Christ did, he brought you close to him. I am giving you some evangelistic tools on how you can reach somebody for Christ, because each one of you has somebody who's far from God. And Christ paid the price so they could be near him. He's given you peace. I knew a family, I knew a family, I still know a family that did not know Christ and they were tormented in their sleep. And they had no peace. And we came across their paths and we were talking with them and we shared with them about Christ and we told them, we said, you can just Whisper the name of Jesus in the torment of your sleep. And at the name of Jesus, those demons and those thoughts have to come in subjection to him and they have to leave. And so we told this couple, just share that with them. You know, that person did that and they experienced peace like they'd never experienced before. And we heard from them later that they actually, their sleeping patterns changed. Have you met somebody who has no peace? Who's tormented? I'd encourage you. If you know somebody who says, man, I just... This, this couple shared with us and the, and the gentleman actually said, in his sleep, he would wake up and he'd feel like he had somebody sitting on his chest, hands on his throat, and he couldn't breathe. 
And as we were talking, we, we shared, and we said, when that happens, just call out Jesus. And, and so we were talking with him later, and he says, you know what? I couldn't even say it out loud. He says, because I couldn't talk. I literally was being choked. He says, and I just said, in, in, his, in his thoughts, he said, Jesus, and it broke it. There's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in what Jesus has done for you. You do not have to live in torment or fear of your thoughts or being alone or being this or that when somebody's... You have peace. He is our peace. He's made us one. We're one of another. We're one of another. I need you and you need me. I need you, you need you, and you need me. We've been made one. There's not an excuse for us to be apart. We are together. On Friday, when we celebrated with the kids and had the egg hunt, I saw an amazing picture of community and members one of another. People were just doing what needed to be done. And yes, we had broken it up and we had people who were responsible for items and, and things to do, but they just, it just happened. And we had actually an amazing number of visitors. I thought it was amazing. It was awesome. Getting to know them. Jesus, he broke down the dividing wall. He went after you. He went after you, and he says, no, I'm going to break down that wall that separates. Sin separates, but Jesus broke that wall down that separated, and he bridged that gap. This, I want you to remember, because I find sometimes... It, I don't even have to wait till Monday to get overwhelmed with what's happening. I just have to get in my car and get out of the driveway. Sometimes I don't even get out of the driveway and I've already got a text message. Usually it's asking me what I want for lunch, but I... I but life has a way of swallowing us up. Have you noticed that? If you don't take time to separate things or take time to manage things, they will start to manage you and you will be a slave to them things instead of you saying, no, this is what's going to happen. And Jesus came and he broke down the dividing wall. He gave us reconciliation. What we could not do, he did. I want you to remember this. You couldn't reconcile. You weren't smart enough. You weren't aware enough. You weren't powerful enough. You're not good enough. And neither am I. So what did Jesus do? He says, I'll do it. I'll do it. It's almost like, and, and, and this might, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but it's almost like Jesus and God are talking. And God says, well, this, this is the situation. And Jesus just kept saying, I'll take care of it. I'll do that. Well, they're far from me. I'll bring them near. 
Well, there's no peace. There's enmity. It, it's, in one verse, it says we're actually enemies. And, and Jesus says, you know what? I'll pay that price so that they're no longer enemies. And as they're having this conversation, every answer Jesus says is, I'll take care of it. I'll do that. Well, they don't have peace. I'll be their peace. Well, they, they, they have sin and trespasses. You know what? I'll pay for their sin and trespasses so that when you look at them, Father, you'll see righteous because of what I've done. You and I are righteous because of Christ. It says that we're righteousness of God in Christ. These are the things that Christ did. And as we celebrate Easter, I want you and I to remember and to see what he did. And it's not just April 1st that we celebrate. This is something we celebrate every single day of the year. Every single day of the year, you and I can be thankful that we were far, but now we're near. I don't live that way. Now I live close to you. Now I live in fellowship with you. Now I live as a member of your family. Now I live in your house. Now I live connected with you. Now I live close to you. Don't look at the past. Remember what he's done and then see where you are. And when you remember what he's done, you will see others and you can, you can give them hope. He gave me access. I didn't have access before. But because of Christ, I have access. You have access. You have a direct access to the Father. You don't have to do it through the pastor. You don't have to do three steps forward, two steps back, the hokey pokey, poke yourself around. All the, You have direct access right now to the Father. Jesus paid the price on the cross so that every single person would have direct access with the Father. That's what you have right now. That's what Jesus paid. Remember, you did not have access. Now you do. He's made you fellow citizens. We are fellow citizens. We're members of the household of faith. We actually have membership in the kingdom. You are marked by the Savior. When we accept Christ, we actually receive His DNA. It says we're a new creation. We are completely new. We were singing one song where it says, Your blood flows through my veins. I believe that we have the blood of Jesus, the, the blood that he paid for us, and we have a new DNA because I am a new creation in Christ. I am no longer considered born of the flesh. I am now born of the Spirit. I have a new birth. Remember what Jesus did for you. I'm hoping after we get to the end of this that we'll have a crescendo of thank you. I'm putting that out there because if it doesn't happen, now you know it's going to happen. 
we're going to take a couple minutes and we're just going to thank him because we did nothing. I couldn't do it. I was far away. I did not qualify. I didn't do what needed to be done. I was separated from him. My sin had separated. And Jesus came and he said, he's worth it. You're worth it. Remember. Remember. Remember what he did for you. Don't ever forget the price that he paid for you. Look at what he did. It says he didn't even open his mouth. They've made fun of him. They ridiculed him. They made a crown of thorns. And then they gave him a stick or a reed. And then they took that reed and they actually hit his head with the crown of thorns. Can you imagine what that's like? And they took that and they hit him. And he just sat there and took it for you and for me. He said, David's worth it. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget the price that he paid. And don't just do it once a year. Do it 365 and every fourth year do it 366 days. He paid a price for you. And Paul in this passage is saying to them, remember this, guys. And he gives them five or six or seven things that we were far off and we had nothing to do. And he gave 12 things of what Christ did. I thank him for that. Because of Christ, I no longer have a fear of death. Death to me doesn't freak me out. In fact, death to me is a promotion. Because I'm going to go someplace that's a whole lot better than here. And this is pretty good. And I want you to see this. The concluding verse in this passage, it says, In whom the whole structure being joined together grows. So when we remember what Christ did for us, that should affect how we walk together. That should affect how I relate with you. And what happens is when we let the work of Christ have its real work in our life, we become joined together one with another, and we actually grow. So remembering Christ, remembering the work that he did, remembering the pain, the suffering, the lashes that he took, the blood that he spilt, hanging on the cross, physically, For hours, not just for a couple minutes. And when we see that, 
the one of another start to kick in. And we remember what he did. And now all of a sudden, we embrace each other and we walk together. Because I recognize what Christ has done in Pastor Nelson. And he recognized what Christ has done in me. And I recognize what Christ has done in Chuck and in Karen and in Al. And in Dan and, and, and Sister Louise. And I recognize the work that he has done. And you recognize the work that he has done in me. And we actually join together. And it says it's through that that we grow. So today, Easter Sunday, I want you to remember I want you to remember Christ. When we stand. Are you playing a song or are you? Let's let's just thank him. Thank him. Thank you Jesus. Oh, we worship you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Take some time to thank him. Maybe you haven't taken time to thank him like this before recently. I'm asking God to just touch you. That your eyes of your understanding would be open to see the riches and the glory and the beauty of what he's done for you and for me. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Keep playing that song. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord. You are worthy of all praise. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I used to be far, but you brought me close. Lord, I thank you, God. Lord, that you gave me the remedy, that you are the remedy. Lord, that you gave blood so that I could be cleansed. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Tell him thank you. Go outside of what you usually do and, and raise your voice a little louder. Thank him. Thank him. Just say, Lord, I thank you because I used to have no future, but now I've got an eternal future. It doesn't just stop when I stop breathing, but it moves into the heavenlies and into eternity. Lord, thank you, God, that what used to separate, you paid that price, so now I'm whole. And I'm joined together one with another in fellowship. And I'm part of a family of God. Lord, that you've given me peace when there was no peace. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, holy. Holy Jesus. Oh, we worship you.